Of all the sounds you'll hear this summer, This might be your new favorite. They're blending up the new chocolate chip iced cap at Tim Hortons. Real chocolate chips blended into an iced cap for a sweet summer treat. It's Tim Hortons frozen take on a cappuccino. And it just might be the best sound of summer. Hurry into Tim Hortons for the new chocolate chip iced cap. Limited time at participating restaurants. This podcast is a member of the Voices of Wrestling podcasting network. Visit VoicesOfWrestling.com to hear the rest of our great podcasts, as well as show reviews, columns, opinions, and updates across the world of wrestling. Hello and welcome to Lucha of the Hidden Temple. My name is Dr. Nov and this is the VoicesOfWrestling.com Lucha Underground review for the week of February 12th, 2015. This is kind of a ho-hum episode of Lucha Underground. Not much to get real excited about. If I tell you the participants in the match, you know who's going to win the match. And there was no title shot this week. We didn't even see the belt. We didn't see Prince Puma. We didn't see Conan. We didn't see Cage. What did you get this week? You got Johnny Mundo and Pentagon Jr. and Phoenix. That's what you got this week. So, let's get into my show grades, right? Narrative-wise, despite all of that, I'm going to give this episode a B, and we'll get into a why. I just think that the backstage segments did so much, and we moved in so many different directions, and that's definitely the type of storytelling, that the fast and quick storytelling that Lucha Underground is going to have to do when they only have 45 minutes of television time every week in terms of content. In ring-wise, I gave this a C. I can't give it a D because there were too many good spots in the Havoc versus Mundo match. But boy, this just was not very exciting. Phoenix doesn't light my world on fire. Marjanez definitely doesn't light my world on fire. And I like Pentagon, but I saw this match with Ricky Manziel last week when he was Sweet B. You know, Ricky Manziel was Sweet B. He was in a Sweet B costume. A good mask. Anyways, you know, that was kind of a repeat. It was a reheat. And I I didn't get real excited about it. Aaron got a C. Commentary this week. Let's talk about commentary real quickly. Overall statement. While there were some misses... I think the hits out, outweighed the misses, and we'll get into one notable miss because it was really funny, but otherwise, I thought Vampiro was doing a nice job observing certain things or highlighting certain things, accenting certain things, and I don't think that this commentary team is incapable of performing the job that Lucha Underground needs from its commentary team. I want that to be abundantly clear. I think what has happened in previous weeks up until now is that they have been not serving the product. It's not that the two dudes doing it can't serve the product. Vampiro, I'm kind of shaky on. Let's let's keep it real here. But, but you know, I think Vampiro could fill that role as color man, that Bobby Heenan, uh, Jesse Ventura type role. 
But, you know, Stryker's got to do the heavy lifting here, and Stryker has to stay focused. Sometimes he is focused. Sometimes he's just as scattered as Vampiro. And when they're both scattered and when their report isn't happening, it's like it is kind of like nails on a chalkboard. I thought they were pretty good during this Havoc and Mundo match, though. Not so much during the Pentagon, and I've got them written down as Rick Martell on here because they went on a riff about that for a long while. Anyways, it got to see this week. Let's get into the show. We'll do the show rundown. Dario Cueto is meeting with Alberto Del Rio. Alberto's interested in, not Alberto Del Rio, Alberto El Patron. I wrote it down as Del Rio, and I've said it out loud now as Del Rio like two or three times. Anyways, Alberto El Patron. El Patron is interested in the key, and he has a request. We don't see what the request is, but one can only assume that the request is they want to speak at the end of the show. Or maybe one shouldn't assume that. Huh? What does one do in this case? Anyways, we cut to the ring. It's Phoenix versus Arhenis. Uh, you might have caught this with Stryker's commentary. He mentioned that Arhenis is the brother of Mystico. You might remember Mystico from his high-quality work in WWE. Or you might have hated that entire run. I don't know. Vampiro and Stryker have uh, an exchange that is not so much good as it is funny. Where Stryker says... Katrina, let me set it up for you. Katrina comes down to the ring during this match, and she is observing Phoenix. Because you remember last week, or two weeks ago, Phoenix beat Mil Muertes. Last week, Katrina met with Phoenix and gave him a kiss. Not the kiss of death, but like an actual kiss, which was cool for Phoenix. And then this week, she's down by ringside, which is not so cool for Phoenix. Because at least in this kayfabe world, it's my understanding that the wrestlers can see what's happening down in the ring. So if Katrina is trying to keep things secret, this is a really shitty way of doing that. But is Katrina trying to keep things secret? Because she's going and working Mills buttons. So this is the, you know, she's a tricky girl, this Katrina. Anyway, she's down ringside and she's watching Phoenix and she goes, at the, er, and Stryker goes, not, and she doesn't say anything. Stryker says, at the risk of admitting I'm a, oh no, 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 no. Stryker says, at the risk of sounding like a pervert, Katrina looks turned on by the action. Which, you know, let's stop right here. Stryker has this weird thing where he's always obsessed with clarifying that he's not a misogynist and he's not a pervert and he's not a horn dog, which leads me to believe that Stryker totally is this guy. And like he gets beaten up about it online and I think he gets beaten up about it online and the reason it gets under his skin is because there's some kernel of truth. He wouldn't even be observing these things if it weren't true on some level. And it's kind of funny to watch him squirm about this. But what's really funny is when Vampiro because Vampiro's Vampiro, goes, well, at the risk of admitting I'm a pervert, I'm turned on by the action. And all of a sudden we have 50 shades of Vampiro. I, I, my God. That quote is awesome. If you didn't see that section, it's worth it because there's that pregnant pause bomb that is always really glorious when someone like just trips and falls on commentary. Hey, it's hard. You know what? Sitting in front of a microphone and just keeping it going and not having it sound like complete garbage is not as easy as you'd think it is. I'm not like giving myself a defense here, but as someone who does it, and I understand the struggles that Stryker and Vampiro have. There are distractions. There's distractions in the ring. I got a cat. He's usually pretty fucking distracting. He's being good right now. 
Anyways, after this match, we get Katrina backstage, and she's talking to Mil Muertes, and she's kind of talking him down, like, I gave you all this power, and, and that was weird, too, there was, like, sort of this in- inclination that she gave him the power, which is interesting, Mil Muertes grabs her, and we get a little bit of Fifty Shades of Mil, I- I'm gonna keep making this joke, but they both, apl- in both cases, they apply, and maybe it just always applies with Katrina, because she's got a little bit of a bondage fetish thing going on, right? Anyways, Mill puts his you know hand around his mighty Mill Muerte's hand around her neck and lifts her up, and we see her heels, and we see her calves, and we see that leather dress, and she's got kind of that seductive, slightly aroused thing because she's aroused the demon. Mill, pissed off, walks down the hallway, and you, you thought he forgot about Chavo, but he didn't forget about Chavo, and he's gonna get his revenge on Chavo, but it ain't gonna be about Chavo. Poor Chavo. Chavo had a really good story going on earlier in this show. But we're gonna finally get this paid off, which is something that is good for Lucha Underground. I love that Lucha Underground can start a story, what, I guess in, like, my personal timeline, like, eight weeks ago? A long while ago. Last year. And, you know, all this shit happens, and we're gonna finally pay it off. And... I feel pretty confident that next week we're going to get a nice video package summarizing this feud, which is also going to be cool. These are the things that Lucha Underground has to do well, and fortunately for them, they do well. Very much more often than not, right? So this is a cool segment. A lot of motion in this little backstage segment. And then we cut right to another backstage segment. Which normally would feel weird, and maybe I wouldn't be on board with, but in the case of Lucha Underground... I, I love it, because he's like my favorite things with the show, right? So, we got Big Rick, and he's in a confessional. I love all this biblical shit. I, I, I love this. Rick's going to go Old Testament on people's asses. You know what Lucha Underground does? They have taken these misfit toys from WWE and made all of them infinitely more interesting than when they were in WWE. Johnny Mundo... He's interesting. I, he's an interesting character. We don't really know where he's going. I already think El Patron is more interesting than where he was as Del Rio in WWE, and certainly when they put him as a babyface, and it was just sappy. You know, WWE has such poor writing. You realize that, oh yeah, El Patron, you know, Alberto Del Rio, Alberto has a a good sort of sense of character if you just give him a character and you give him a vehicle where he can sink his teeth into it. And the El Rey Network, with Dario Cueto, I don't know if you guys caught this, during the opening sequence, Dario Cueto starts doing like a little (laughs) little nose sniffle thing too. What I'm saying is that El Rey is willing to push that PG-13 to, you know, MA rating. And... Lucha Underground, in doing so, allows these characters to be more interesting. Conan's more interesting. Big Rick is more interesting. He can come down to a ring with a cigar. And Alberto El Patron, much more interesting in this company. And that's what's happening with Big Rick here. So now we're turning him into a face, but he's going to be this badass big monster guy, and he's going to have to take on the crew, which is fine. It's probably a perfect usage for the crew. But you also got to remember that they're Cueto's henchmen. So does that mean at some point Big Rick and Mundo's storylines are going to cross over? I love this. This is the fun stuff. This is, this is what makes a wrestling world tick. Great promo, great backstage thing, and it hides what maybe Rick isn't so good at, which is standing in the ring and actually doing talking. This makes him look badass, and the writing is clearly something that the performer is sinking his teeth into, and he, you know he realizes that he's being used well, and it just shows. 
It's the same thing with Del Rio, or it's the same thing with El Patron. It just shows that they enjoy the material they're doing. Next, we get to what should have been your main event here, and that is Havoc versus Johnny Mundo. What I love about this, and this is yet another reason why this should have been your main event, you have two different stories, and they are crossing here. And this is how Lucha Underground has to use their television matches if they're not going to be main event program matches. The two players in the match have to have two different storylines, and the outcome has to make sense for both of their storylines, and they can move on from those matches. So in this case, I'll give you the example. Johnny Mundo is the wounded animal, and he's being hunted by King Cuerno, the hunter. Son of Havoc is a loser who is becoming sympathetic, frankly, because he's trying to keep his girlfriend and he's doing the best to keep his girlfriend. And sometimes you try really hard and your best isn't good enough. It sucks and you try, but you just can't do it. And that guy still wants a girlfriend too, right? So why why isn't some having getting over? Also, he's doing flashy in-ring performances. Of that, I am kind of of two minds. But that said... I like like this guy's work so much. It's very clean. I mean, you look at Havoc, and he's just got a, he's got a good build, and his maneuvering is very smooth. He he, he does what a maneuvers. I I I want to get a what a maneuver in there somehow. I don't know how to don't know how to put it in. Actually, I'll tell you what was quite the maneuver is the at one point Mundo is down outside, and Son of Havoc uses the turnbuckle pull to pull himself at a 90-degree angle and deliver a splash off of that. Striker nails the wonderful core strength part of it on the commentary. Commentary is impressed by this. Spot looks really cool. Son of Havoc showboats. I wonder if his flashy moveset shouldn't be costing him more in these matches. Because it seems like right now, Son of Havoc's flashy moveset doesn't create a hindrance for him at all. In this case, though, Son of Havoc comes up short again against Johnny Mundo. He pulls out all the stops. It's just that Johnny Mundo's a guy who is a main event player and Son of Havoc isn't. So be it. He did his best. It wasn't good enough. After the match, King Cuerno attacks Johnny Mundo. And I kind of feel like the second you saw King Cuerno, you knew that Johnny Mundo wasn't going to win. Unless King Cuerno was somehow going to... Or you knew that Johnny Mundo was going to win. Unless King Cuerno attacked during the match. And that somehow delivered Son of Havoc's win. But once it became fairly obvious that Cuerno wasn't going to attack during the match. He was going to wait until after the match. The outcome was never in doubt. Still a good match. If you didn't see it, go watch it. This is the one I would say to watch. Your main event is Pentagon Jr. versus Rick the Model Martell. My God, I can't believe he stopped doing realty and came back to wrestle a match in Lucha Underground. No, it's Ricky Manziel, but commentary in a thing that I think did no one any favors because I'm highlighting it here, not just because of me, but because it's the thing that sticks out in your mind. The first thing they do is make fun of Ricky Manziel (laughs) and... You know, so be it. The guy has been presented as a enhancement talent, a jobber in this company, and that's fine. But once you do that, then it's very, very clear all the Pentagon Jr. is going to do is beat the shit out of this guy again. And we've already seen this match. And here's my problem with that. 
Lucha Underground only has 45 minutes every week to advance all these storylines. And we didn't get any Cage this week. We didn't get any Conan this week. We didn't get any Puma this week. We got some Mundo. We still don't really know shit about King Cuerno. He's just this very one-dimensional heel who looks very cool and has got some cool music. We don't have that time to be wasting on a repeat match and that's what this Ricky Manziel thing was I'm not saying the Pentagon needs to fight Drago yet because Pentagon does need to have some sort of enhancement talent things but for example what if you reestablished Pentagon on the heel side of the roster by having him take out Pimpinella you have him go after these guys who the audience has no real emotional attachment to, and it turns out that the audience likes seeing someone beat the shit out of someone else in a decisive way, and that's what Pentagon does to Ricky Manziel. He gets his ass kicked, and Pentagon snaps his arm again. There you go. Not much to say about this match other than that. Still clearly a heel. There's really nothing admirable about the character other than the quality of work that he does inside the ring. But, like, he's torturing his opponents, and he is doing it all for his master, and he is going too far in matches. The crowd loves it because the crowd doesn't love the person Pentagon is doing it to. Does Lucha Underground realize this problem and correct course, or are they trying to tell this weird Shades of Grey story? I don't think they are, even with commentary embracing it and trying to cover it up. I think that Pentagon is supposed to be on kind of a straight heel turn story, and the crowd is just not giving Lucha Underground what they want with this. I might be wrong, though. That's the beauty of the wrestling. You could be wrong the next episode. You're just sort of taking things for what they are, where they are. On that, we go to our final section here, which is Alberto El Patron in the ring, delivering a promo that is not so much good as it is long. And it is like six or seven minutes or five to seven minutes. It feels longer, and what's really crazy is that he doesn't say much of fucking anything. He comes in and does sort of the soul singer, uh, like the Blues Brothers used to do this before they would sing Guilty, which is uh, one of their slower numbers. Jake would sit down and he'd take off his jacket and Elwood would really play up how, oh my God, my brother Jake is taking off his jacket. He doesn't take off his jacket for hardly anyone. And, uh, you know, Alberto Patron does this. And we get essentially Alberto El Patron's life story up to here. And he's delivered a similar promo in Spanish in AAA at the uh, AAA Mania, like their their top show of the year. And I'm going to say this right now. I'm not doing this podcast as a Lucha Libre expert. I'm doing this as a guy who watches, you know, a lot of product, has a degree in English, and is just giving notes on what he sees here. And I think this is might be my problem with this segment. So uh, we get an Alberto El Patron's story, which is like a little bit of like a work shoot. You know, he, he brings up WWE, not directly, but indirectly. And he, what he says, they stabbed him in the back. But, you know, I, I mean, there's also the thing about you're not going to be held back behind because of your race. If you read in between the lines in the promo, it was very clear that it, Alberto was saying that he felt like WWE... Hold back brown and black people. 
I don't know why in God's name he would ever say that about that company. That's a joke. That's a joke. Anyways, at the end of this promo that was not so much good as it was long, Alberto El Patron gets attacked by Tejano. Let's talk about this real quick before I fuck off into the good night here. We did nothing to establish Tejano. I, as a viewer, have no idea who he is. Now, Stryker has encouraged me as a viewer to go and check out other styles and check out other things, and he talks a lot about this New Japan Pro Wrestling thing. I hear it's pretty darn good. Might go check it out one of these days. Anyways, the assumption is that I'm going to get in, I as a viewer, I'm going to get into other products. And it's not a bad assumption. However, it is ridiculous on some level for me to assume that I know who Tejano is. Or what you could have done is do a package with El Patron and show him winning the belt over Tejano. And it sort of feels like an afterthought but puts Tejano subliminally in your mind so that when you see this guy, it makes some sense and the striker can call back to it. But I don't even really want to see Tejano. No knock on Tejano. I've never actually seen his work. I, I'm going to go and do my homework here this week and see, see him. I'm sure he's quite good. It's, it's, not, it's not a knock on him. Really, when you bring in Alberto Del Rio, and I'm calling him Del Rio specifically, you're bringing in someone from a different wrestling universe and one of, one of WWE's misfit toys. You're bringing in a new one. But this guy's different. This guy's a main event talent. And this is a guy who can really elevate the promotion and can definitely be the top guy in your company and have great matches. And matches between El Patron and Prince Puma are worth the price of admission. That would get a lot of eyes on there once they knew the quality of work. Well... The thing is, I want to see Alberto El Patron immediately thrust into the universe. And when you bring in Tejano, it feels like we're just doing a repeat of stuff from AAA. And it's not going to be as good as the original. It, it, it could come close. It's kind of like the Finn Balor versus Adrian Neville match being pretty darn close to as good as the Pac versus Prince Devitt match several years back that match on NXT was pretty damn solid my whole point is you if unless you're gonna really draw those roads back and spend time doing that it's not worth it and when you bring in a guy like Alberto I don't want to see him rehash an old feud from WWE like John Morrison you know how we used to fight when I was Del Rio and you were John Morrison well damn it we're gonna do it no I don't want to see that shit anything i want like maybe sort of a winking reference to it but nothing more nothing more this is a new universe and i want all these characters to be themselves but be themselves in this universe thank you all so much for listening go to voicesofwrestling.com for your written review and we'll have a new review out not on wednesday and that this is sort of serving as your recap show for tonight's episode I will have a review out sooner rather than later. I want to thank you all for so much for listening. If you want to hit me up on Twitter, it's at C-H-R-I-S-N-O-V-E-M-B-R-I-N-O. Stay safe, and until the next one, cheers.
Wrestling Podcast, there is a new shining star with great interviews, analysis, music, and, and me, Matt Coon, on total engagement. Go to any podcast platform to listen today.